نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead Him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide Him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. Bi'adhanillahi <coughs> ta'ala we would like to continue this evening <coughs> with the explanation of al-aqidah al-tahawiyah by al-imam Ahmed Al-Tahawi uh, As is our custom I would like to quickly review The points which we uh, Covered in the previous lecture Points number 69 through 71 In which Al-Imam Al-Tahawi Says وَنَرَى إِفْقَلَاتِ خلف كل بر وفاجر من أهل القبلة وعلى من مات منهم that we see or view the permissibility of performing salat behind the imam whether he is righteous or unrighteous as long as he is from the Ahl Qibla that is he is from the Muslim Ummah those who pray towards our Qibla that it is permissible to pray behind every Imam from amongst the Muslims whether he is righteous or unrighteous and also that it is permissible to pray over the dead person, the Muslim who died from amongst them <coughs> whether they are righteous or unrighteous and it is the opinion of the Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah uh, that it is permissible to pray behind any Muslim whether he is righteous or unrighteous though preference is given to the righteous over the unrighteous yani if there is uh, the choice between praying behind two Imams one of them being a person of the Sunnah who follows the Sunnah and obeys Allah and this is known then he should have preference salam, over those who are known to practice bid'ah or to call to it or to be uh, engaged openly in the commission of sin or disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the exceptions to this are in the case in which it might be difficult on someone to pray in the masjid where the imam is of the people of sunnah or the people of righteousness and piety in that case it's permissible to pray behind someone the imam that might be uh, known for disobedience or some sort of minor deviation and the other case is in uh, the circumstance where 
the Imam who is unrighteous or known to be engaged in some kind of deviation has been appointed by the leader of the Muslims, by the ruler and to avoid praying behind that Imam would lead to confusion or disorder or disarray or fitna in the society in that case it's permissible to pray behind that Imam, that imam who has been appointed by the Muslim rulers Also, the saying of Imam Tahawi, point number seventy: "ولا ننزل أحدا منهم جنة ولا نارا." That we do not assign any one of the people, any the people of the Qibla, the Muslims. We do not assign any one of them to being in paradise or in the hellfire. That anyone is guaranteed the paradise or the hellfire. Uh, with the exception of those who have been identified clearly by the text of Quran or the authentic hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam ونشهد عليهم and also we say that those who are generally uh, concerning the first point those who are mentioned in general by description in the Quran or Sunnah يعني the muttaqin the salihin or so on like this we say in general that those who fit these descriptions are also to be in paradise the mu'mineen are in paradise but we don't say specifically that any person would be in paradise except those who have been specifically mentioned in the Qur'an and Sunnah then Imam Tahawi rahimahullah goes on to say وَلَا نَشْهَدُ عَلَيْهِمْ بِكُفْرٍ وَلَا بِشِرْكٍ وَلَا نِفَاقٍ and we do not accuse anyone of kufr, disbelief or shirk associating anything with Allah or ascribing anyone or anything uh, or ascribing to anyone or anything that which is exclusively the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whether in his names or characteristics or his rights to worship or otherwise nor do we accuse anyone of nifaq, hypocrisy ma lam yazhur minhu shayun min dhalik as long as the person doesn't show openly those things which indicate and certify their kufr or their shirk or their nifaq and if a person openly shows kufr or hypocrisy or shirk then that's different and even in that case any the rules that we have mentioned on many occasions should be applied that is it's not the right of every individual to declare anyone to be a kafir or, or, or a munafiq or otherwise a mushrik but this is the right of the scholars after the proofs have been presented and it is ascertained for sure that the person knows full well what they are saying or doing and they are not doing it by compulsion or otherwise then Imam Tahawi finishes this point by saying and we leave the secrets of the human beings to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani their beliefs which are in their heart or their actions which are done secretly it's not for us to judge such, this is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to judge. The last point, point number 71, Imam Tahawi says, وَلَا نَرَى السَّيْفِ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِنْ أُمَّةِ مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِلَّا مَنْ وَجَبَ عَلَيْهِ السَّيْفِ 
and we do not believe or see or hold that it is permissible to use the sword on anyone, that is to kill anyone of the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam except the one who has uh, who is justified in being killed, yani the one who has committed an act which the Sharia, the Islamic law legislates and requires that that person should be punished by the law, by the authorities who are said to implement or enact the law. And the conditions yani, under which a person may be killed, one of the Muslims' blood may be shed, uh, are mentioned specifically in the Quran and mentioned in the Sunnah. And other than those which have been specifically mentioned, it is not the right to take the life of a Muslim whatever our feelings may be. And we mentioned some of the hadith concerning this, such as the hadith in which the Prophet sallallahu as recorded by Al-Bukhari and Muslim, said that the blood of a Muslim is not lawfully spilled except in three cases. The one, life for a life, the one who killed someone, uh, and so on. And also, we mentioned the hadith, which is very important, that... Uh, uh, Hadith of Imam Muslim, in which he said, under the chapter of obeying the rulers, except in disobedience, so that they are required to be obeyed, except that we see from them, or they display open kufr, which we have a clear proof from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning it. Otherwise, they shouldn't be fought against, and there should be no attempt to overthrow them, even the life of the ruler who is corrupt or unjust cannot be taken just due to his corruption or injustice or oppression unless he shows open kufr and in that case the leaders the scholars of the Muslims should be consulted and decided if they have the ability uh, to remove that ruler and replace him with someone who is better than him and that is with the condition that replacing the ruler doesn't create more harm or bring about more harm than the harm that comes from that ruler remaining. Yani, that means that if the ruler is drinking alcohol or committing some sins, major or minor, openly and the people know about it, if removing that ruler would actually cause bloodshed, Muslims, people would be killed by trying to overthrow the government and that's worse than leaving him in office. In that case he should be left. This is basically what we covered and in the previous lecture a few weeks ago before we took a break. Uh, here we'd like to continue tonight from where we left off with point number 72 where Al-Imam Al-Tahawi uh, Can somebody take the papers, the, the handouts there, there? They left, the sisters left it in the door. Point number 72, in which Imam Al-Tahawi says, وَلَا نَرَى السَّيْفِ وَلَا نَرَى الْخُرُوجِ عَلَىٰ أَئِمَّتِنَا وَوُلَاتِ أُمُورِنَا وَإِنْجَارُ That we do not believe, nor do we hold the permissibility of rebellion against our imams or our leaders or rulers or those in authority in charge of our affairs. 
we do not hold the permissibility of rebelling against our imams or those who are in charge of our affairs even if they do injustice even if they commit acts of injustice or oppression and we do not supplicate against them we do not pray against them that harm comes to them we do not supplicate against them وَلَا نَنْزِعُوا يَدًا مِنْ طَاعَتِهِمْ Nor do we hold back our hand from obedience to the rulers. We do not يعني, refuse to obey them, but we obey them. وَنَرَى طَاعَتَهُمْ مِنْ طَاعَةِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ فَرِيضًا And we believe it is our opinion, yani the opinion of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah that obedience to the rulers is a part of obedience to Allah, the Mighty, the Majestic. It is an obligation, yani it is an obligatory duty. Obeying the rulers is obedience to Allah ma lam ya'mur as long as they don't command us with any act of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani as long as the rulers order the people in those areas, in those things that are not in disobedience to Allah, then obeying them is obedience to Allah because it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who ordered the Muslims to obey the leaders, the rulers. Allah has ordered us to obey the rulers and therefore obeying them is obedience to Allah. And finally he says, لَهُمْ And we, instead of praying against them, we pray for them. We supplicate to Allah that Allah correct them and improve their condition and pardon them or grant them well-being وَنَدْعُوا لَهُمْ بِالصَّلَاحِ وَالْمَعَافَاتِ that Allah correct their actions and their condition and grant them well-being here the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumis Hafizahullah says in his brief explanation Sharh al-Aqidah al-Tahawiyah al-Muyassarah He says that concerning this point the Ahl al-Sunnah al-Jama'ah hold that it is forbidden to rebel against the Imams and those who have been given charge over the affairs of the Muslims on whatever level it may be whether local government national government international authority in the Muslim Ummah whatever it may be the Ahl Sunnah and Jama'ah hold that it is, it is not permissible, it is forbidden to rebel against the Imams and those who have been given charge over the Muslims' affairs, even if they commit acts of oppression against the people, even if the rulers are oppressive. It is forbidden to make rebellion against them, even if corruption and immorality is seen openly by those rulers yani they are seen openly committing acts of corruption or immorality or sin even in that case it's not permissible to rebel against them and this is due to the fact of the bad or evil effects that are the result of rebellion against the established government such as the spilling of the blood of innocent Muslims and the spread of confusion and chaos in the society.
And this is, yani this ruling or this opinion of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, which is based on Quran and Sunnah and the understanding of Sahaba, it, it, it remains intact and it is enforced as long as the rulers or the leaders of the Muslims remain in Islam. As long as they don't go out of Islam, exchange their religion, or openly show kufr. And kufr is not major sins. As we know, the aqeel of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah is not to declare anyone to be a kafir due to major sins. So although a person may be known to be committing fornication, or drinking alcohol, or using drugs, or other acts of corruption, gambling, or whatever, this doesn't make the person uh, become a kafir. And this is not what is meant by openly showing kufr. This is the open showing of immorality or corruption. And this does not entitle anyone to rebel against the ruler for such. But if they openly show kufr, they change their religion or go out of Islam, then the rule, this rule is not standing at that point. Also, <coughs> we do not supplicate to Allah against them nor do we disobey them, but we hold that obedience to them is an obligation as long as they are commanding the people to do that which is good, as long as they are not commanding the people to commit acts of disobedience or sin. But if they order the people to commit sins, to disobey Allah, then we should neither hear them nor obey them. Yani they have no right at that point over the people. And this is based on the saying of the Prophet wasallam. على المرء المسلم السمع والطاعة فيما أحب وكره ما لم يعمر بمعصية. This hadith is recorded by Bukhari and Muslim that it is obligatory on the Muslim person to hear and to obey. السمع والطاعة. It is obligatory to hear and obey in those things which we love as as well as that which we hate or dislike. مَا لَمْ يُعْمَرْ بِمَعَثِيَةٍ As long as we are not commanded to commit an act of disobedience to Allah مَعَثِيَةٍ or sin As long as we are not commanded to commit a sin Whether we like what we are being ordered to do Or whether we dislike it When the rulers order the people should obey These are the words of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم Also the saying of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was reported by Al-Imam Muslim إِنَّمَا أَطَاعَ فِي الْمَعْرُوفِ That verily obedience obedience to the rulers or the leaders or those in authority is in those matters of good not in evil or corruption إِنَّمَا أَطَاعَ فِي الْمَعْرُوفِ It is in that which is good uh, Not only that he goes on to say that we supplicate, we should not only obey them, but we should also pray for them, that Allah correct their conditions and improve their conditions uh, in religious matters as well as in worldly matters uh, and improve their well-being. For verily, the correction uh, of the leaders or the rulers is a matter that affects the correction and improvement of the ummah just as their corruption uh, is a means or way to the corruption of the Muslims who are under their authority. So we pray for the well-being of the leaders, 
for the benefit of those who are under their authority. When the rulers are good, the society is better. So we hope that Allah will correct them and guide them and improve their conditions and help them to uh, purify their hearts so that they want to do those things which are pleasing to Allah in order that the Muslim society will benefit in general. Concerning these points, Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani says in his commentary, uh, his brief commentary on the same essay of Al-Imam al-Tahawi, uh, concerning the point of the prohibition of rebelling against the Imams and those in charge of our affairs, even if they are oppressors, even if they do wrong or injustice, he mentions here the saying of, of Al-Imam Ibn Abi al-Iz Rahimahullah in his comprehensive explanation of Al-Aqidah Tahawiyyah he says that he mentioned a number of hadith concerning this matter and concerning the fact that it is prohibited for the Muslims to rebel against the leaders and here Shaykh Al-Bani because the comments here are very brief uh, he didn't mention those hadith which Ibn Abi al-Iz mentioned in his comprehensive explanation but some of those hadith are very important that we should mention them so <coughs> let me just quote a few of those hadith that Ibn Abi al-Iz mentioned concerning the prohibition of rebelling against the rulers even if they are oppressive or wrongdoers first Ibn Abi al-Iz mentions the ayah from the Quran from Surah Al-Nisa chapter 4 verse 59 Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu O you who believe Aqiyullah Aqiyur Rasul Obey Allah and obey the messenger Wa ulil amri minkum And those in authority from amongst you uh, <coughs> From this ayah it's very well known That uh, Allah is ordering the Muslims to obey him And to obey his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And also to obey the rulers or those in authority whether they are the political rulers or the ulama, the scholars of the Muslim Ummah they are to be obeyed as long as they are in obedience to Allah and His Messenger and don't command us to do something in disobedience to Allah then he mentions a number of hadith I'll just and he mentioned a few of them one of them is the hadith that's reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim from <coughs> the authority of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said من أطعني فقد أطاع الله Whoever obeys me, he has obeyed Allah ومن أطعني فقد أصى الله And whoever disobeys me has disobeyed Allah وعليكم السلام ومن يطع الأمير فقد أطاعني And whoever obeys the Amir the one in charge of the Muslims then he has obeyed me he has obeyed the Prophet and whoever disobeys the Amir he has disobeyed the Prophet of Allah this is a very important hadith its meaning is very clear whoever obeys me has obeyed Allah and whoever disobeys me has disobeyed Allah and whoever obeys the Amir has obeyed me and whoever disobeys the Amir has disobeyed me. This is the clear instruction from the Prophet ﷺ making us to know the importance of obedience to the ruler. Also, he mentions the hadith of Hudayfa, which is a very long hadith, <coughs> and due to time, 
limits. Uh, it's not possible to mention the whole of the hadith, but in, in any case, the important thing is that Hudayfa ibn Yaman, radiallahu anhu, he said that the people used to ask the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, about al-khayr, about the good things, and I used to ask him about al-shar, the evil things, for fear that I might fall into that evil. I used to ask about the evil things so that I wouldn't fall into it. Uh, <coughs> he said, I said to the Messenger of Allah, verily, we were in jahiliyyah, in ignorance and darkness and evil. <coughs> then Allah brought to us al-khayr, yani al-islam. So after this khayr, is there going to be some evil? The Prophet ﷺ said, yes, there will be. Then he asked, he said, I said, is there after this evil, is there going to be some good? And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes, وَفِيهِ دَخَنٌ But there will be dakhan in it. And it will be tainted, it will not be pure good as the first generation of the Muslims when Islam first came to them. And then he said, what is this dakhan? And the Prophet ﷺ said that the tainted thing that would be in that good that would come later is قَوْمٌ يَتَسَنُّونَ بِغَيْرِ سُنَّةِ وَيَهْدُونَ بِغَيْرِ حَدِي that there will be some people who would take as their ways of guidance other than my sunnah and that they would lead the people or guide the people with other than my guidance yani they will follow other than my way and they would guide the people with other than my guidance you would approve of some of what they do and disapprove of some of what they do then he said من أجابهم إليها Whoever obeyed them, those people uh, who would be, يعني, who would come in this way, they would be callers, callers on the on the doorways of Jahannam. Whoever accepted their call or accepted their invitation would be thrown into the hell. Uh, he asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam to describe them. He said they are they will be people from our people. يعني قوم من جلدتنا يتكلمون بأسنتنا. They will be from our people and they will speak our language. Uh, and finally, <coughs> he asked the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And this is the point of the hadith. If that time reaches me, when these incidents take place, if I am living in that time, what should I do? What do you order me to do? And he said, تلزموا جماعة المسلمين وإمامهم. That you should stick to the jama'ah of the Muslims and you should stick to their imam. Yani stick to the jama'ah, don't separate into divisions and sects and stick to the imam, the leader of the Muslims, obey him and follow him. And then he went on with the rest of the hadith. Another hadith that he mentioned was also of real importance of those many hadith which he mentioned, hadith Ibn Abbas. Radiallahu anhuma, and Allah be pleased with him and his father. And that hadith is also recorded by Al Bukhari, a Muslim. He said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Min ra'a min amirihi shay'an yakruhuhu, yakrahuhu, fal yasbir, aw yasbir alayhi. That whoever sees something from his ruler, his leader, the one who's in charge of the people, if you see anything that you dislike in him, fal yasbir, be patient. Don't get upset and make rebellion, but be patient. فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ فَارَقَ الْجَمَاعَةَ شِبْرًا فَمَاتَ فَمِيتَتُهُ جَاهِلِيَّةً Because whoever separates from the jama'ah, from the group, even one shibra, an arm's length, and they died in that condition, they would die the death as one of the people who died in jahiliyyah, yani before Islam. This is the matter of the people who see some evil or some wrongdoing or shortcoming in the ruler 
and therefore they disobey the ruler or rebel against the ruler and divide the Muslims if they died in that condition they would die like the people who died in the time of Jahiliyyah before Islam and one of the narrations of this hadith that's reported by Imam Ahmed and it is Sahih according to Shaykh al-Albani he said فَقَدْ خَلْعَ رِبْقَةَ الْإِسْلَامِ مِنْ عُنُقِهِ يعني whoever separated the Muslims by rebelling against the rulers then that person would have removed the rope of Islam from his neck and he goes out of Islam that person is out of Islam uh, and in another hadith of the hadith that he mentioned hadith reported by Imam Muslim the best of your Imams are those whom you love uh, who love you and whom you love and you pray for and they pray for you and you pray for them and the worst of your Imams are those whom they hate you and you hate them and they curse, or you curse them, and they curse you. They said, فَقُلْنَا يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أَفَلَا نُنَابِذُهُمْ بِالسَّيْفِ عِنْدَ ذَلِكَ Should we not take the sword up against them at that time? يعني those who, they hate us and we hate them, and they يعني curse us and we curse them. Shouldn't we take the sword and rebel against such leaders? The Prophet ﷺ, and this is probably the condition of many of the people and their rulers in the Muslim lands today. But the rulers hate the people and the people hate their rulers. Should we take the sword against them? The Prophet said, لا ما أقاموا فيكم الصلاة يعني He said, no, you should not take the sword up against them as long as they establish the salat. As long as the salat is being established in the land, then it is not permissible to take the sword against them. And he also said, ألا من ولي عليه والن In the same hadith, isn't it so that the one who a ruler has been placed over them فَرَآهُ يَأْتِي شَيْئًا مِنْ مَعْسِيَةِ اللَّهِ and then the subject sees the ruler doing something of disobedience to Allah sees them committing acts of disobedience فَلْيَقْرَهُ مَا يَأْتِي مِنْ مَعْسِيَةِ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَنْزَعَنَّ يَدًا مِنْ طَعَتِهِ then in that case you should hate what you see them displaying of disobedience to Allah but you should not hold back your hand from obedience to them and if they are still entitled to obedience and this hadith is reported by Imam Muslim then uh, Ibn Abi al-Iz goes on to mention the ayah which he began with and explained that ayah that in that ayah uh, shows that there is obedience to Allah and obedience to the Prophet uh, totally and the obedience to the rulers are as long as they are obedient to Allah and His Messenger and they are not commanding the people to do anything of evil. Then, uh, after mentioning this, uh, after mentioning these hadith, Ibn Abdul Iz and Shaykh al-Bani in his commentaries quoting from Ibn Abdul Iz, I'll continue to quote from him. He says that after establishing the fact that it's obligatory to obey the leaders he says as for sticking to obedience to the leaders even if they are oppressive or wrongdoers this is because rebellion against them uh, would cause more harm and evil than the evil that they are causing while they remain in office. Yeah, and in rebelling against them, the harm that would be caused is many, many more times worse than 
the evil that that individual who is the corrupt ruler or immoral ruler is causing any in their own life. Ibn Amir is, rahimahullah, who was an imam from the Hanafi Madhab and a great imam whose book, The Explanation of Aqeel Tahawiyah, has been accepted by the Muslims of the Madhahib all over the Muslim world. He then says, in fact, not only the harm that would be caused is worse than what they are doing of evil, but a sabr or patience in the face of their corruption or their immorality, or he said here their oppression or wrongdoing. Patience in the face of their wrongdoing is a means of forgiveness of our sins. It is a means of forgiveness of one's sins. For verily Allah has placed or made those people to be an authority over us due to our own wrongdoing. And Allah made corrupt rulers over the people through the wrongdoing of the people. This is why the wrongdoers came into power. Why Allah allowed them to come into power and the reward for actions are similar to them. And when the people are disobedient to Allah, then Allah placed disobedient rulers over them. So it is obligatory on us to make ijtihad, to strive and to struggle, to make istighfar, seeking Allah's forgiveness, and tawbah, repentance, wa islah al-amal, and correcting our own deeds. This is the solution to the correction of the problem of unjust rulers. The unjust rules are placed over the people due to their own injustice and their wrongdoing and disobedience to Allah. And the way to correct the problem is to seek forgiveness from Allah for our own sins, to repent to Allah and correct our deeds. One of the proofs of this is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Shura, verse 30. Surah Al-Shura. The saying of Allah, وَمَا أَصَابَكُمْ مِنْ مُصِيبَةٍ فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ وَيَعْفُوا عَنْ كَثِيرٌ That whatever has afflicted you of calamities, it is due to what your own hands have brought. It is due to your own actions. وَيَعْفُوا عَنْ كَثِيرٌ And Allah has pardoned much of your sins. Allah has pardoned much of it. But the musibah or the affliction or calamity that before you, it is due to your own sinful actions and deeds. And also a proof of this, which is even more clear, clearly related to the problem of the unjust and oppressive rulers that are over the Muslims, is the saying of Allah in Surah Al-An'am. I think that's chapter 6, verse 129. وَكَذَلِكَ الظَّالِمِينَ بَعْضًا بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ and so it is that Allah says that we place or put in authority some of the wrongdoers and oppressors over others of wrongdoers and oppressors due to what they have earned themselves. Yeah, and the oppressive rulers are placed over the people due, due to the, what they themselves have earned. Allah said He put in authority oppressors over other oppressors. Wrongdoers over wrongdoers due to what their own hands have earned. So if the followers or the people who are subject to any ruler want to free themselves from the oppression of their oppressive ruler then they themselves must leave off oppression and wrongdoing in their own lives this is the end of the quote from Ibn Abdul Iz Shaykh al-Albani Hafizahullah then comments saying this is the clarification of the way to free ourselves from the oppression of those rulers who are oppressors those who are from our own people speaking our own language it is to repent, for the Muslims to repent to their Lord and to correct their aqidah, their beliefs and to style their lives, to correct their lives themselves and their families 
according to the correct Islam, not the deviation and corruption that many of the Muslims have found today calling it Islam. And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Ra'ad, chapter 13, verse 11, in Allah la yughayr ma biqawmin hatta yughayru ma bi'anfusihim. That Allah doesn't change the condition that a people are in until they change their own conditions. And some of the scholars of Tafsir said that the meaning of this is that Allah doesn't change the condition of a people yani the ni'mah or bounty and favors that they are enjoying Allah doesn't take that away from them until they do that which justifies it being taken away yani when they start disobeying Him and committing sins then Allah removes the ni'mah the, the, the bounties and favors that He has given to them Allah removes it and likewise when the people who are committing sins and doing injustice and evil and therefore being subjected to opp- oppressive rulers or subjective, subjected to calamities or sickness or diseases or whatever when they change themselves and turn back to Allah and repent to Allah and correct their behavior then Allah changes that condition and removes the calamities and removes the oppressive rulers and changes their condition yani to a better condition Allah doesn't change the condition of a people whether it's good to evil or whether it's evil to good unless they change themselves if they are doing good Allah will never take away the good that he has given to them and if they are doing evil and they change to good then Allah will change their condition from evil to good or to better and this is hinted at in the saying of one of the contemporary du'at or people who call to Islam Shaykh al-Bani says that one of the du'at one of the people calling to Islam today he said aqimu dawlat al-islam fi qulubikum establish the Islamic state in your own hearts people are calling to the establishment of khilafah establish the Islamic state we want Islamic government we want, we want, we want he said aqimu aqimu dawlat al-islam fi qulubikum establish the Islamic state first in your own hearts in your own life, in your own homes first this is the beginning of establishing of the Islamic government in the world if you do so tuqim lakum aw tuqam lakum if you do so, if you establish Islamic State in your own heart, in your own lives, in your own selves, then the Islamic State will be established in your land. But how can we establish Islamic State in the land when in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our own families, in our own homes, in our, in our, amongst ourselves, we are not establishing the law of Allah and living in accordance with the way of the Prophet But establishing yourselves first, then Allah will cause it to be established in the earth. Here uh, the Shaykh al-Albani says So the way to being free From the oppressive rulers Is not as some people imagined By making revolution With weapons Revolting against the rulers Making military uh, Overthrows of the government Because These ways are actually of the modern innovations that have come to the people only in the later times this way of removing the oppressive ruler it is in contradiction to the text of the Sharia Quran and Sunnah it is in contradiction to the Quran and Sunnah taking up arms against the ruler who is oppressive or wrongdoer is in contradiction to the text of Quran and Sunnah and from amongst those texts is the command that Allah ordered us to change our own selves you want to change the condition 
first change yourselves. Allah doesn't change the condition that a people are in until they change themselves. So Allah has ordered us first to work on ourselves. And also it is a necessity that we correct and purify the base upon which the Islamic government will be established. And that means correcting the Islam and purifying it from innovations and deviations. And if we did so, if we support the deen of Allah by purifying it and correcting it and bringing it back to its purity as it was in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu and Sahaba, if we were to do so, support the deen of Allah, then Allah would grant us success. As he says in Surah Hajj, chapter 22, verse 40, yansuruhu, Then Allah will support and help and grant victory to the one who supports and helps him, yani who supports his deen. Whoever supports the deen of Allah, then Allah will support them and grant them success. Inna Allah laqawiyun aziz. And verily Allah is mighty. Allah is powerful and mighty. Uh, and also Shaykh al-Bani makes another comment concerning this point number 72. That is, that obedience to the rulers is obedience to Allah. And it is obligatory on us to do so. He says that it is perfectly clear that this is in reference to the Muslims. Yani obedience to the Muslim rulers is obedience to Allah, not obedience to the disbelievers who might uh, conquer the Muslims. And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nisa, chapter, 59, uh, chapter 4, verse 59. Atiul Allah wa atiul Rasul wa ulil amri minkum. Obey Allah and obey the Messenger. And those who are in charge of your affairs Minkum From amongst you That means Those who are in charge of the affairs of the Muslims From amongst the Muslims Obey Allah and obey the Messenger And obey the Muslim rulers from amongst you As for the disbelievers Who overcame the Muslims or conquered them There is no obedience due to them They are not to be obeyed But in fact it is obligatory That the Muslims should make perfect preparation Materially and spiritually to remove them from the Muslim lands and to purify the Muslim lands from their filth. As for the false explanation of the saying of Allah, those in authority from amongst you, some of them interpreted it minkum as fikum, those who in authority amongst you. Yani the even the disbelievers who came into your land and they're in authority amongst you, then you should obey them. This, he says, is a bid'ah qadiyaniyah. It is a qadiyani innovation and poison from the British that was established to mislead the Muslims and to get them to obey the disbelievers who had come in power over them. Then the Shaykh ends by saying, Allah bilad al-Muslimin minhum ajma'in. May Allah purify the lands of the Muslims completely from all of these uh, disbelieving rulers colonists or otherwise, colonialists or whoever they may be, imperialists or by whatever name they may call them today, since they have many new ways to rule the Muslims without being seen or without it being obvious. I remember Tahawi continues, point number 73, and we follow the sunnah and the jama'ah. We follow the sunnah 
and the jama'ah and we avoid ash-shudud uh, separating ourselves or following a way that is in contradiction to that which is well known that the people are upon وَالْخِلَافِ differences we avoid differences arguing and disputing and al-firqa separating into groups and sects we follow the sunnah and jama'ah and we avoid differences and separating into groups and sects or following a way that is different than the rest of the Muslims the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumis Hafizahullah says in the explanation of this point that we avoid separating from the Jama'at al-Muslimin, the group of the Muslims, the majority of Muslims, that which is established as Islam. But we believe that the guidance is in following the Sunnah of the Prophet and the way of the Muslims, yani the way that is well known, the Jama'at al-Muslimin, first and foremost are the Sahaba and who will follow their way. Uh, and that misguidance, it is in following those ways that are different than the Muslims separating ourselves from the group of Muslims arguing and disputing in the matters of deen and also separating into sects and parties which divide the ranks and the unity of the Muslims following the way of the jama'ah should be uh, a standard for the Muslims to be followed and to be accepted without dispute as long as the way of Allah, the commands of Allah are being implemented and enforced the truth and the guidance commanding the good and forbidding the wrong as for when the people became corrupt and they changed the laws of Allah and the sunnah became known as bid'ah or looked at as innovation and innovation what became considered by the people as sunnah as we found Unfortunately, in most of the places in the world today, the one who practices sunnah, people say, where are you making up these new things from? And the people who practice bid'ah, everyone says, this is really the Islam. This is what we found, unfortunately, all over the Muslim world today. That commanding the good is considered as something evil. Today, when people order that which is right, they are looked down upon. And forbidding the wrong is also and he looked down upon in that case it is permissible to separate from all of those sects and groups that are astray that are not following the sunnah of the Prophet in the way of the companions of the Prophet and this is based on the correct way that was well known by Sahaba whenever we find ourselves in that condition the Prophet ﷺ gave the advice to Hudayf and that advice is also for us he says فَعَتَذِلُوا أَوْ فَعَتَذِلْ تِلْكَ الْفِرَقِ كُلَّهَا in that case we should separate ourselves from all of those deviant groups every one of them وَلَوْ أَن تَعَدَّ بِأَصْلِ شَجَرَةٍ حَتَّى يُدْرِكَ الْمَوْتِ حَتَّى يُدْرِكُكَكَ الْمَوْتِ Then in that case we should separate from all of those groups even if we have to bite 
on the roots of trees until death overtakes us. That means that even if it means that we separate ourselves and suffer due to our separation from the people in order to save our religion, then it is it is the advice of the Prophet ﷺ to avoid the, the groups of deviation at all costs, even if we suffer until the point of death at doing so. Uh, Shaykh al-Bani mentions in his commentary concerning these points also, he said that al-shudur, uh, when anyone separates themselves and does something strange, that is different than the rest of the Muslims or what is known to be established as Islam uh, this means that the people oppose the way of the Jama'ah that is referring to the first Jama'ah not the largest group of Muslims in the world today but it means the person who deviates from the Jama'ah the Sahaba the companions of the Prophet and those who came after them following their way and their guidance Differing from this way and deviating from this way is deviation, it is astray. Uh, but we should bear in mind that the meaning here is not that a person, that a Muslim selects an opinion that might not be the majority opinion of the Muslims. And it doesn't mean that you are not entitled to hold an opinion. If you have evidence for your opinion, though it may be a minority opinion, though the majority of the Muslims may differ with it, but if there's a scholar who holds an opinion in difference to the majority, but his opinion is based on evidence, then this is not what is being spoken about here. But the separation or deviation or irregularity that is being spoken of here is those who deviate from the way that is well known from the companions of the Prophet or that which is based on evidence. In the case where there is no clear proof from the Qur'an and Sunnah then it is not necessarily so. Uh, it is not necessarily so but the, the safest position is to follow the opinion of the majority in the absence of evidence from the Qur'an or Sunnah. But if there is evidence then you may or a scholar may choose an opinion or a position that may be different than the majority opinion. And this is acceptable, it was acceptable in the early generations of the Muslims, and in many cases there was one Imam or one scholar who differed from the majority of the Imams, but based on evidence. Then he says that no doubt if the Muslims are agreed upon something, there is no difference amongst them, and it is well known that they have agreed on such, then it is obligatory in that case for us to follow that which has been agreed upon by the Muslims. And this is proven by the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Surah An-Nisa, chapter 115, وَمَن يُشَاكِكَ That whoever contradicts or opposes the Prophet ﷺ, after the guidance had been made clear to him, and they follow a way other than the way of the believers. غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Other than the way of the believers, the generality of the Muslims, and first and foremost it means the Sahaba. Whoever follows other than the way of the Sahaba, then Allah says as a punishment for such, for deviating or contradicting the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, and following other than the way of the Sahaba,
or other than, way, other than the way of the generality of the Muslims, then Allah would turn that person to that which they turn themselves and cause them to enter the Jahannam, the Hellfire, and evil is it as a destination. Uh, finally, he says that in the case of difference of opinion amongst the Muslims, it is obligatory to go back and refer our differences to the Quran and Sunnah. And whoever the truth becomes clear to them by evidence from the Quran and Sunnah, then they should follow it. And whoever it is not clear what is the correct way, then they should follow their conscience. Even if what they see as being correct is with the majority or not with the majority. Because you will not always be in agreement with the majority. But what is important is to follow the evidence and in the absence of clear evidence, then you should try to fear Allah and do that which you see as being the thing that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if the majority are not in agreement with it. And the last point of Imam al-Tahawi, point number 74, That we love the people of justice and the people of al-amana, trustworthiness, those who fulfill the trust which are given to them. And we hate the people of oppression and wrongdoing and those people who fail to fulfill the trust that is given to them. This point of Imam al-Tahawi is based on the principle of love and hate for the sake of Allah. And Imam Ibn Abil Iz discusses it in detail, but there is no time. So, in brief, the comments of Shaykh of Muhammad, Abdurrahman al-Khumis, he says that we love the just person, whether he is the ruler, or subject to the ruler, the ruler or the ruled. And we love the one who is faithful with Allah and faithful with the people. And we hate everyone who is unjust and oppressive, whether he is a ruler or whether he is of the people who are under the rule of a ruler. Yeah, I and mean, we hate oppression and oppressors, whether they are ruler or, other, or otherwise. And everyone who fails to fulfill the trust, the trust, uh, fulfill the, the trust that Allah has given to them or the trust of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or any trust that they are entrusted with. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says in Surah Al-Anfal chapter 8 verse 27 Don't betray the trust of Allah and the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam nor betray the trust that has been given to you while you know in this ayah we are made to know the importance of fulfilling trust Allah requires that trust should be fulfilled whether it was something entrusted by Allah or entrusted by the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or the people we see this as being the truth that verily the believer it is obligatory on him uh, to love the believers and those who are righteous and to hate those who are disobedient and corrupt loving for the sake of Allah and hating for the sake of Allah loving those whom Allah loves and hating those whom Allah hates and the Prophet sallallahu an authentic hadith reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim uh, on the authority of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu he said Thalatha man kunna fihi wajida halawat al-iman that there are three things whoever found them Whoever found these three things, 
they have tasted the sweetness of faith. من كان الله ورسوله أحب إليه مما سواهما. The first of them uh, is that the person loves Allah and the Messenger of Allah more than anyone or anything else besides them. And the second one, which is the point of the Hadith that is relevant to the topic, ومن كان يحب المرء لا يحبه إلا لله. Someone who loves a person and they only love them for the sake of Allah. Yani the point here is that one of the signs of a per- that a person has tasted the sweetness of Iman or faith is that they should love someone and love them only for the sake of Allah. And the last of them is that a person hates to return, return to kufr uh, just as they would hate to be thrown into the fire after Allah has saved them from it. And also, the Prophet ﷺ said that the most firm and strongest foundation of Iman is love for the sake of Allah and hatred for the sake of Allah, as has been reported in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed and Ba'at Tabarani and Shaykh al-Albani in a jami, in jami, al-Sahih al-Jami said that it is Sahih. So we love a person according to the amount of obedience to Allah and correctness in their actions that we find in them. We love them for whatever good that they do and we hate them for the amount of disobedience or evil or corruption or immorality that we see in them. A person might combine uh, the actions of obedience to Allah and disobedience to Allah to the extent that they are obedient to Allah to that extent we should love them and to the extent that they are disobedient to Allah we hate them to that extent for their disobedience to Allah. And it doesn't mean that if a person commits an act of sin or immorality or corruption or disobedience to Allah that we should hate them absolutely. But to the extent that their sins are more than we hate them more and to the extent that their obedience to Allah is more than we should hate them more according yani, to the balance of their obedience or disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, the questions are only a few with these points tonight, the first of them, what is the ruling concerning obeying the oppressive Imam? Yani if a ruler or leader of the Muslim is the wrongdoer or oppressive ruler, what is the ruling that uh, the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah hold for obedience to such an Imam? And as it is clear from the text of Quran and from the Sunnah of the Prophet and the scholars of the Muslims that even the oppressive Imam should be obeyed as long as they don't command us to do something in disobedience to Allah. And is it permissible to rebel against the Imams or the rulers who are oppressive or wrongdoers? And it is also clear from the statement of Imam al-Tahawi and other Imams which we didn't quote from due to lack of time uh, so many of them, Imam Ahmed in Usul Sunnah, Ibn Taymiyyah in Al-Aqidah, Wasatiyah, Imam Bukhari in his Aqidah, and so many other scholars, Al-Barbahari, made it clear that rebellion against the rulers, even if they are oppressive or wrongdoing, is not accepted, it is not allowed in Islam. It is not the opinion of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah, uh, that it is, it is not the opinion of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah to make uh, rebellion to overthrow the rulers even if they are corrupt as long as they don't show open kufr and in that case they may be removed uh, as long as their removal doesn't cause more harm 
than the evil of the ruler himself, yani if he stayed in office. And finally, the last question, what is the obligation on a Muslim uh, concerning loving and hating for the sake of Allah? Yani it's very clear from what we have mentioned briefly here, that Muslims, that we are required to love for the sake of Allah and hate for the sake of Allah. And yani according to the actions of the people, uh, we love them as much as they are loved by Allah, and they are loved by Allah according to their obedience to Allah. And we hate them to the extent that Allah hates them, and Allah's hatred of anyone is due to their disobedience to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the end of what we wanted to mention tonight. If there are any comments or corrections uh, or questions, we have a few moments. Perhaps we'll take from the sisters first since they sent their questions early. Uh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Regarding point number 74, and hate the people of injustice and oppression, treachery and betrayal. If a ruler falls under these categories, can we pray that Allah Ta'ala remove such a person if he, the all-knowing, knows that they will not change and will cause the suffering of his servants and that he replaces them with someone better? Uh, if a ruler is an oppressor or wrongdoer, is corrupt or immoral, there's no harm in praying to Allah that Allah uh, yani the way of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah is that we should pray to Allah that Allah improve the ruler, that Allah correct the ruler, that Allah yani, turn their hearts to the right way. And if Allah doesn't do so, it is due to ourselves. Yani, it is clear that the rulers who are placed over the people are due to the actions of the people. So rather than to pray against that person, it is the way of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah to pray for them, that Allah change their hearts and correct their behavior and improve them so that the Muslims will benefit from their goodness. And the way to remove those oppressive rulers, if Allah doesn't correct them, is to correct ourselves. As Imam Ibn Abdul Iz said, that we should make ijtihad in istighfar, seeking forgiveness, and at tawbah repentance and islah al-amal that we should correct our own deeds this is the way to change our condition as Allah says in the Quran that he doesn't change the condition of people until they change what is in themselves if we improve ourselves then Allah will improve our condition and Allah knows best uh, in point number 72 obeying the unjust imams and rulers a part is a part of obedience to Allah A. the fact the act of oppression unjust and corruption are acts of the devil B. How can this corrupt and unjust ruler order the people to do righteous deeds if he himself, the ruler, is an evil person? Naam. Oppression and injustice and corruption are acts of evil. Naam. And they are the characteristics of the disbelievers and the evil people. But it is not impossible that an evil or corrupt ruler can order the people to do good just as a corrupt or immoral parent orders their children to do good. Some of the parents, they are smoking, but they tell their children don't smoke. They are drinking, but they tell their children don't drink alcohol. They are lying, but they tell their children to tell the truth. And so it's not contradictory that the ruler, he himself might be immoral, but he may still order the people to do that which is good. Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu he was the third khalifa of the Muslims and the 
one of the ten people from his paradise and when he was overthrown and he was under siege in his home by the Khawarij, the people who rebelled against the rulers in his time while the Sahaba was still plenty while the companions of the Prophet was plenty and some of them came to him and said that the rebellious people are leading us in the prayer what should we do? and they told him that we are ready to take up arms they had their weapons, we are ready to fight against them and Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu he told them that the people when they do good follow them in their good and the best of good that anyone does is salat so he told them don't take up arms against them if they are leading you in prayer don't worry about it prayer is good if they are doing good then accept it and follow them in good but don't follow them in the evil so also the rulers today whatever of good they establish if they allow the masjids to be open and the people to pray in them then this is good this is the establishment of good even though the ruler himself may be evil and the Muslim rulers to some extent or another some of them more than others do establish the good in the land some of them establish much, much good even though they themselves may not be يعني, the best of us though they themselves may not be the most obedient some of them are building masjids some of them are building hospitals some of them are giving charity to the poor this is something good even though they themselves may be evil and immoral unjust rulers are not something new uh, the son of uh, Muawiyah he wasn't known for his righteousness yet he, he was in time of Sahaba and he was uh, accepted as the ruler of the Muslims and the Muslims prayed behind him even even in spite of the fact that he was doing some immorality that was known to the people publicly Hajjaj ibn Yusuf he did much good he was one of the people who established the uh, spread of Quran of the Mus'haf being uh, uh, printed or being uh, copied with voweling so that the non-Arab people could read the Quran he was the one who established this and that was a good act though he himself was known to be an oppressive ruler who killed Muslims and even killed some of the Sahaba so it is not necessarily a fact that the ruler if he is oppressive or immoral it's not necessarily a fact that he cannot order the people to, good, to do good it is a fact that the oppressive and even the immoral ruler can order the people to do good and as long as he orders the people in doing that which is good they should obey him and only when he orders them to do evil or corruption or disobedience to Allah can he be disobeyed this is the end of the questions of the sisters if there are any comments from the brothers uh, except that there is a, page, a, a sheet here can you please translate to us about these picture and message written any opinion to be true or not there is a picture here of a, of a, a body wrapped up in a shroud like a Muslim being uh, prepared for burial and there's a snake wrapped around it and it says that this picture is an illustration of something that happened in the cemetery in Medina in the month of Safar in the year 1420 in this year a few months ago uh, and apparently يعني, it says this, is a, this actually really happened and the people saw it and um, anyway it's a story 
this, this same picture was spread in the city of Medina about five or six years ago and they said that this incident happened in Jordan and now they're spreading this story saying it happened in Medina uh, and Allah knows best but it is unlikely that it happened apparently the intention of the people is to frighten the Muslims who don't pray they said that this person who was being buried had abandoned Salat and therefore Allah punished them by the snake wrapping around the body uh, but um, it is strange that uh, the people begin their article here by saying that they contacted some person, some responsible person from uh, the, uh, the Sharia courts in Mecca who confirmed that this really happened in Medina Yani, the confirmation of the incident in Medina came from a person in the courts in Mecca Yani, there was nobody in Medina to confirm it which seems very unlikely, there are many scholars in Medina they are well known, if it actually happened in Medina it would have been very easy to call the scholars in Medina and confirm it so the fact that it wasn't confirmed by the people of Medina is a proof against the reality or the factual yani, uh, occurrence of this incident and Allah knows best in any case it's sufficient uh, that whatever the Prophet Wasallam has said to encourage us uh, to perform the prayer and the, yani, the obligation on the Muslims to pray and the sin of the Muslims who abandon prayer and the fact that those who abandon prayer go out of Islam is enough for us yani, that any person who has even a little bit of Iman that uh, knowing that the abandonment of Salat is kufr uh, as the Prophet said that that which is between a servant or a, a Muslim uh, between him and kufr or shirk bain al-abdi or bain al-kufr or shirk tarq salat is the abandonment of salat it is enough for us then to know that whoever abandons salat it, they have nothing to separate them from kufr and shirk uh, and in another hadith the Prophet said the covenant that is between us and them is salat فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا فَقَدْ كَفَرْ then uh, يعني, whoever abandons salat has disbelieved this is sufficient and we don't need such يعني, imaginary uh, stories or pictures to frighten the Muslims but it should be enough to know that whoever abandons salat has fallen into kufr that's sufficient for anyone who has any, even an ounce, ounce of iman. Are there any comments or corrections or questions from the brothers before we go uh, to the salat? Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadhan la ilaha ila anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. If the, if the rulers are oppressive or wrongdoing or wrongdoers, if they are immoral, even if they are Ahl Bid'ah, people of innovation, it doesn't legitimize or allow for us to rebel against them, to hold back our hand of obedience to them. It doesn't allow it. It happened in the time of uh, Imam Ahmed, Rahimahullah, that the ruler in that time the ruler of the Muslims was affected by the people of innovation who called to the bid'ah of the creation of Quran who said that the Quran is a created thing that the speech of Allah is created and we know that nothing of Allah is created none of his characteristics are created the sifat of Allah are not created they are part of Allah and Allah is the creator they said that the Quran is created they called to this idea and they affected the ruler and he called to it and he brought close to him all of the scholars who accepted that idea and he removed far away from him those who didn't accept it 
and he oppressed and punished those who didn't accept it and he ordered the, the scholars to call to this idea and to accept it and to confirm it okay some of the scholars came to Imam Ahmed and they said we want to hold back our hand from obedience to the ruler because he is calling the people to innovation he is calling the people to believe in that which is kufr and even he ordered the teachers in the schools of the children who were teaching Quran to the children to teach them this idea yet Imam Ahmed refuted them and refused to accept this stand of theirs and he warned them he warned them against holding back their hand of obedience here was the ruler calling to something that was kufr but yet he didn't see that it was justified to hold back obedience to the ruler because disobedience to the ruler rebellion against the ruler will inevitably lead to bloodshed Imam Ahmed told them don't cause your blood to be shed and the shedding of blood of innocent Muslims who may follow you don't be hasty but be patient the solution to the oppressive ruler is to correct ourselves instead of looking at the ruler we are obsessed with condemning and criticizing the rulers and we have enough rulers to condemn and to criticize their uh, immoral acts and their oppression in the Muslim lands is well known but if we would spend more time and be more concerned with correcting ourselves inshallah Allah would change our condition as he promised Allah doesn't change the condition of a people until they change what is in themselves the Muslims have to look at themselves if you look at the condition of the Muslim rulers it is a reflection of the condition of the Muslim people just look at the Muslims and then you will see why we have the rulers that we have Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah also he was persecuted by the rulers in his time who called to innovation and he was imprisoned and he died in prison from the torture and punishment of the rulers because he refused to accept the innovation and he argued against them and refuted them and refused to accept this idea of creation of the Quran and some of the Muslims came to him while he was in prison and when he was on the way to prison and, and reminded him and encouraged him to hold to his stand so that the people would have a model and an, an example to follow and this is one of the reasons why Imam Ahmed is considered to be the Imam of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah because in the time of this fitna when the Muslims would, were on the verge of being misled into a false way the idea of creation of the Quran he was the Imam of the Muslims at that time who stood up and he held his stand and the people followed behind him and they were saved from that corruption and that deviation due to this reason in spite of the fact that, Imam, uh, that Ibn Taymiyyah in spite of the fact that Ibn Taymiyyah was persecuted for such ideas for refusing to accept such ideas uh, Ibn Taymiyyah still said that he forgave the rulers for their persecution of him and their punishment of him because the, he knew that they were confused and that they were misled by those deviant scholars who, who deceived them uh, and he did not give permission in fact he criticized those who called to rebellion against the rulers in his time who were calling to deviation and who were calling to innovation he criticized those who called to rebellion against them and he reminded the people to obey the rulers as Allah has ordered us to obey them and he reminded them that it's not permissible to disobey them uh, or to rebel against them uh, except in the case that they openly display kufr um, or they يعني, openly يعني, order the people to do um, you know to uh, whatever they order us to do in disobedience to Allah then in that case there's no need to obey them in any case this topic uh, the obedience of the rulers is a lengthy topic and uh, you may refer to uh, the explanation of usul sunnah if you are يعني, interested to uh, discuss it further 
then we discussed it in more detail in the explanation of Usul Sunnah in the ninth lecture, lecture number nine of Usul Sunnah. I think uh, point number um, forty-seven and forty-eight and fifty-three and fifty-four in Usul Sunnah. You'll find this discussed, and if you refer back to those tapes. Uh, of the lectures concerning that point, you will see yani, many of the sayings of the scholars and the proofs in more detail concerning this issue, which we discussed in more detail at that time than we did tonight, and uh, maybe it will become more clear. And if necessary, there is an essay, a complete essay, uh, concerning this matter, the obligation of obeying Allah and obeying the Messenger and obeying those in authority, uh, and it discussed the issue of whether or not those in authority are oppressors or wrongdoers or immoral, and whether or not we still should obey them. Uh, uh, in, in that essay, perhaps inshallah at some point we may just make yani, a special uh, sitting just to discuss this issue in more detail since obviously yani, it's a matter that uh, certainly requires you know, uh, some more attention due to the sensitivity of the misconceptions concerning this idea and especially due to the fact that there are many people presently in the Muslim world who are calling to rebellion against the rulers and calling to the murder and assassination of the Muslim rulers who are corrupt or immoral otherwise. And this is against the Quran, it is against the Sunnah, it is against the way of the Sahaba uh, and those who follow their way from amongst the Tabi'een and those who came after them. All of the Imams are in general agreement and it's written in all the books of Aqidah that it is not permissible to make rebellion against the leaders or the rulers once they are established as the ruler, even if they came into power by force. Even if they came into power by force, not by agreement of the people, nor by election of the people, but they forced their way into power, once they are established as the ruler, then it is required for us to obey them. And this matter, inshallah, if it's necessary, we can discuss it in more detail, but yani, in a complete sitting where we sit and just talk about this topic. It was very lengthy and requires yani, many uh, points to be discussed. Many, there are many ayahs from the Quran and there are many hadith of the Prophet and there are many sayings of the scholars that we can talk about that perhaps, inshallah, will make it more clear. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha ila anta staqfaka wa tubadik. Mudah.